All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Patriots First and Goal, a revamped Patriots podcast with myself, Alex Shane, my good buddy, Rich Hill. After 300 episodes over at Pulpit, doing the Pat's Pulpit podcast, the highly coveted free agent duo of Alex <laughs> Shane and Rich Hill have been recruited and signed a massive money contract. Psyched to be here. Psyched to listen and talk about Patriots. It's like to have you all back with us. Thanks for following us over. Rich, I'm excited for this new chapter. How about yourself? Yeah, me too. I mean, it was always nice to get a, a fully guaranteed eight-figure contract. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, it's kind of what I was expecting. Um, you know, it's always good to negotiate contracts on your own. Um, so very excited about this. Yeah, and like, love, we have a new concept. We'll introduce it to everyone uh, because it's different from last, uh, I was going to say last year's, but our, the old podcast structure. Um, for those that might be tuning in for the first time, we used to host the, the Pat's Pulpit podcast, uh, but we are no longer affiliated with the site. So, uh, we had to change our name and in doing so, we decided, Hey, why not change the structure a little bit? Um, so Alec, how are you doing? You ready for this, uh, this new era? I am. It's kind of fitting. It would almost be more perfect if like Tom Brady retired and then Mac Jones came in and then Patriots first and goal started. So we kind of end <laughs> Pat's Pulpit with Tom Brady, but universe doesn't quite unfold that way but yeah man i, I think uh, i'm very thrilled for the folks over here that, that that brought us over uh thank you very much everybody um I'm, I'm thank you for your patronage over the years i can't believe we did 300 episodes man but wild um, wild stuff and I, I liked how you you said our old format i feel like our old format was just kind of us rambling back and forth <laughs> with each other about the patriots with actual like, <laughs> yeah with like, with like 10 minutes of prep beforehand but uh we're looking to get some new stuff going obviously we've got some stuff in the works that we'll be getting into as the as the podcast gets going but yeah patriots first and goal words we love to hear on the tv or when john rick announces it and um you know it's a interesting interesting offseason in a lot of ways interesting crossroads for the patriots in a lot of ways they've made some moves that we're excited about maybe some moves we're not excited about but uh, I can't believe it's already mid-April, man. The draft's going to be here soon. Free agency is well underway. It's kind of settled down. And I think we have a good sense of, of where the Patriots are and, and maybe where they're going. And I'm psyched to break it down with you. Yeah, me too. And so a rundown of what our new format is going to be. You know, We're calling ourselves Patriots First and Goal. What we're going to do is present four different topics. Each one will represent a different down. Uh, and you know, hope by the end of it, we'll have scored with our, our insights, our thoughts, and our also uh, semi-coherent ramblings um, because now it'll be a little bit more structured. And so, Alec, our, our first down topic that we have right now, uh, we've seen a lot of changes over this offseason. Players come, players go. Uh, we've some, seen some shifts uh, and additions in the coaching staff. Um, up front, first down, what is the biggest loss you think that the Patriots have had so far this offseason? For me, I think for a couple of reasons, it's got to be Devin McCourty for retirement. I know we didn't lose him to free agency traditionally, but just in terms of what he brings to the team as a leader, as a captain, as a guy with in-game experience, with championship experience, anybody who's ever watched those sights and sounds of the game after the Patriots wins, they see Devin McCourty leading the huddle. You're ready to run through a brick wall. You really can't match that kind of leadership and experience and quality. Luckily, Matthew Slater is back for another year to help transition into the the, the younger guys. But uh, although McCourty wasn't the same product on the field as he was younger in his younger days, uh, just in terms of the overall vibe and, and, and character and integrity he brought to the team, it's going to be a very big hole to fill there. Yeah, totally. I mean, I completely agree. That's without question, like the biggest loss that's going to create a huge vacuum out there. Uh, you know, happy they retained Matthew Slater and all that. Um, but McCourty, ever since he was drafted in 2010, has been 
uh, one of the most consistent uh, and, uh, you know, every other year, the best player on that defense. And so to lose him, uh, even at that uh, later part of his career, uh, it's going to leave a big vacancy. And I think that, you know, McCordy himself has tweeted out that there's a lot of players uh, on the roster that can help fill whatever leadership void he had, specifically pointing out uh, Jonathan Jones, um, also Kyle Duggar. Like those are players that are ready to step into that leadership role. And, you know, even including like Jalen Mills, even though there was that come and go kind of a shift, but McCordy brought consistency. He was probably for me uh, alongside Dante Hightower, the face of the Patriots defense for the 2010s. Like obviously one of the only players to be there the entire time. But I can't think of a player in that on that defense over the past decade that would be more representative of all the success that they've had. No, no, it's true. You know, if you want to, I, I think I wrote about this in my my last moment. You know, you, you I think Devin McCourty, it's easy to lose him and just the Tom Brady's and the Rob Gronkowski's and the Julian Edelman's and the Adam Vinatieri's, even like the Malcolm Butler's of the world. There aren't these just like epic game-changing plays that McCourty made that often. He had a couple pick sixes and a kick return for touchdowns, but uh, in terms of the importance he brought to the, the team, I think he's one of the most most crucial Patriots of the 21st century. Uh, Shoo-in for a Patriots Hall of Fame. Yeah. Won't, make the, won't make the NFL Hall of Fame. He'll have to get the numbers for as a safety, but definitely a first ballot Patriots Hall of Famer. Really, really sorry to see him go. Uh, that's all leadership, though, Rich. In terms of how you replace him on the field, as that single high safety that allowed Belichick to run wild with that kind of linebacker safety hybrid look, who's the new McCourty like on the, on the field? I feel like Kyle Duggar is the easy choice, but I like him in the box. I like he I like his athleticism and his kind of thumping ability. They don't really have I don't know like a pure kind of safety just yet. So how do you replace him from a positional standpoint? Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I think they have a little bit of faith in Joshua Bledsoe uh, to a degree. Um, also, Jonathan Jones has the speed, the knowledge of the defense, the communication skills. Uh, you know, McCordy himself mentioned that like in Jonathan Jones's uh, second year, he was basically the signal caller for the secondary for the Patriots. So he has the ability to take that up from a speed perspective, from a skill perspective. I also kind of feel like they just might not, you know, like they they had that and leaned into the cover one, cover three, uh, sometimes, but predominantly cover one structure because they had McCourty uh, and Belichick. And I'm assuming his son will more so than ever lean into the talent that they have. And I think with that, uh, there's so much flexibility because literally every single safety they have can play multiple spots. And so Jalen Mills is back as a free safety, but you know, he can be a cornerback and a safety, same as Jonathan Jones. Uh, you add in Duggar, they brought back Peppers, Adrian Phillips. Those are all players that can, you know, do that linebacker thing, do that strong safety thing and do a lot of cover too. And I think the way that the league has gone with the uh, increase in uh, West Coast offense, the Andy Reid success. Uh, we see that with the Dolphins. Uh, Mike McDaniel brought it over. The Shanahan Reed. Like, there's so much West Coast offense that goes uh, deep and horizontal and relies on speed. And the schematic defense to that is to play a lot more cover two. And so, I wouldn't be surprised if they played. Uh, less cover one than they have in recent years. And they have the skill players to do that. You know, Kyle Duggar can play one half of the the field. And then whether it's, uh, you know, Jonathan Jones or Jalen Mills, like you don't need to have that ability, like single high ability as much anymore. Like you still want it in your tool set and like with Jonathan Jones or you know, even Duggar in a pinch, we haven't really seen him do that because they haven't asked him to. Um, but maybe he could also be great there. He's a phenomenal athlete. There's a, there's a very real chance that Duggar could do a very good job there. 
And then there's a reason why they signed Jabril Peppers back is that, you know, Peppers had a role continuing to grow over the course of last year. And maybe Duggar just slides back there. Um, so I, I think that they have a whole host of players. And in a way that, uh, you know, Belichick will always say, you're not going to have one player replace another. Like, you know, whenever uh, like Nate Ebner would go out on special teams, he'd be like, yeah, we need like six different players to replace him on special teams. I, I feel like that's how they're going to approach it with McCordy. They will find a way. They always do. But again, just in terms of just the overall kind of shoes he left are, are, are very, very big to fill. Well, Vince will fork size hole for sure. Yep. But they will find a way. Uh, I'm not worried about him from a uh, kind of player's perspective, though. They'll find a way to re- replace his production. But team leadership, hopefully someone steps up. Hopefully Slater can 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 train whoever that is to be the guy when Slater's gone. Next year's probably this is last year, if I had to guess. Uh, flip side, as we kind of get toward the end of first down, of all the Patriots departures uh, you've seen, is there one that had you going, kind of shaking your head? Yes, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Don't miss you at all. Or is there one? Is there one picker like you're just least sorry to see go? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Matt Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I to be quite blunt, that is the shift that I think will lead to the biggest change. Like, I, I think in the coaching staff, that is where you know the 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 upgrade. Uh, on offense from going from Matt Patricia as co or as offensive uh, coordinator and offensive line coach going from that to Bill O'Brien and Adrian Clem is quite possibly the biggest jump in uh, experience, skill, upside, uh, knowledge of both roles that you could ever ask for. And the uh, alignment with that, those new coaches and the fits and the needs of the players on the team. I, like you couldn't have asked for a better offensive coordinator pick for Mac Jones's ongoing development. And like, there's a few other shifts that like, okay, like I'm cool with like go, going from Jacoby Myers to Juju Smith Schuster. I'm on board with, I think that makes sense. They got a uh, Juju at a more affordable rate. Uh, you know, contract was better structured than what Jacoby got from the Raiders. And Juju is just overall has been a better player than Jacoby. So like, I'll take that upgrade. Um, and like, I love the low key addition of Chris Board, uh, special teams linebacker, as well as, uh, you know, coming over from the Lions. Uh, he's a player that Bill Belichick in the past has said is like the best special teams player in the league. Uh, the retention of Jonathan Jones and Matthew Slater I think we'll be looking at that retention of Jonathan Jones as one of the best signings of the offseason. And I, I like the addition of Jacecki. I think he was greatly underutilized with the Dolphins and that, uh, you know, Belichick and uh, Bill O'Brien. You know, I, I think that's an upgrade going from Johnu to Jacecki on a very cheap contract. So like a lot of the player moves, I think are good. Even Riley Reif at offensive tackle. He's by no means going to be an elite offensive tackle, um, but he's a veteran that gives them at least three bodies <laughs> that they can rotate that has starter experience um, that gives the Patriots more flexibility. But without question, going from Matt Patricia to Bill O'Brien and Adrian Clem is going to be the best upgrade on the roster. I mean, there are already reports about Mac Jones being in the facility a lot, working with O'Brien. They're revamping the playbook. So, yeah, I mean, and obviously they have they have a good working relationship before from the, the college days. So I think it makes all the sense in the world. Bill O'Brien was a good coordinator with Tom Brady and the Patriots. Uh, nobody is sorry to see Matt Patricia go. I harbor no ill will towards Matt Patricia. I, I, I like him. I've got no, but there are some Patriots fans that like want him, like they're burning effigies of the guy. I think he was just <laughs> out of his, out of his element. It was an experiment that didn't work just because the guy's really smart. doesn't mean they're good at every position. You know, just cause you're good at math doesn't mean you're good at English. Just the way it is. Um, 
so yeah, obviously no one's overly sorry to see Patricia go. Hopefully yep. he does well wherever he does. Um, I think the easy answer from a, a, a player perspective would be Jonu Smith just dumping his contract onto Atlanta for what a seventh round pick, yep. uh, another epic failure. But honestly, the receiver I'm or this receiver I'm I'm not exactly sorry to see going. That's Aguilar, uh, another experiment that failed. And again, no ill will toward the guy, but the number of passes he dropped or fumbles, he just never really quite delivered. Yep, the upside. He was basically kind of as advertised, like big playability, drops it a lot going to really be frustrating. And that's exactly how he came in. It just didn't work out for me. So for my second down again, Aguilar, best of luck with Baltimore. I think that could be a good fit if they have Aguilar and Odell Beckham Jr. Now. And if Lamar yeah. Jackson comes back, they'd have a pretty decent wide receiver room. But uh, again, a lot of question marks there all around. You've got Lamar Jackson who's unsigned. You've got LBJ, uh, OBJ coming off on ACL. He's over 30. He hasn't had a 600 yard season in a long time. And then Aguilar's Aguilar. So uh, glad to see him go. Glad to see the replacement come in. Um, so, and I'm not upset over Damian Harris signing. I wish he hadn't signed with the Bills, though. That's the only thing yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, that Harris contract was one that was just like, oh, clearly the Patriots did not want him around. Yeah. <laughs> like a one-year, $1.8 million contract is absolute peanuts. And the Bills got absolute phenomenal value there. Um, probably if the, the Bills are going to look at it and be like, yeah, this is this is a ridiculous value here because they've needed a consistent running back. And Harris is, I mean, he is, when he's on the field, he's one of the best runners in the entire league. Um, Patriots couldn't find a way to involve him as a receiver, which isn't to say he can't do it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, if he can be utilized as a receiver, at least a little bit with the Bills, He's going to be a thousand yard player without question. Um, but that's my thought. I, I want my other thought for you. You said you liked the the Juju signing. Um, how do you feel like the Juju and Jacecki uh versus the Jacoby and Johnny? Like, do we feel like the Patriots are going to be able to utilize them better? Uh, because like from a skill perspective. I think like Jacecki is a better receiver than Janu, but a worse blocker. And uh, Juju is, uh, you know, another player that plays a bit in the slot and has been highly productive in the past. Um, where, but like Jacoby also had like some of the best advanced statistics from like a separation perspective, a catch percentage. Like he's always been rock solid. Um, how do you feel like the Patriots are going to actually be able to integrate those players into the offense? So we're not looking back at the end of next off season, just being like, feels like this was like either a lateral or downgrade move. <laughs> like why, why did they make these changes? That's a good question and a great transition into our second down. The new additions to the Patriots team. Now the uh, departures are out of the way. Yeah, I think the the, the names they brought in, Connor, uh, Corliss Waitman, Chris Board, Mike Isecki, James Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster. It's Riley Reif. That was Riley Reif. So it's good to know it's Riley Reif. Calvin Anderson. Um, those are the, the new guys they brought in. I think the two sexiest names are definitely Smith-Schuster and Gusecki. Gusecki is really intriguing to me. Uh, and you asked about kind of how they're going to incorporate these guys into the offense. If they remember an upgrade, a downgrade or a lateral move. I know Gusecki is a tight end, but he's not really a tight end. Is he? He's yeah, really not more really. Like a big slot receiver. Um, and I think, I think Smith Schuster is kind of a big slot receiver. So they have two kind of similarly bodied players uh, playing technically two different positions. Um, Gusecki, I feel like he's one of those guys that always seems to get the Patriots fits when he was playing in, in like Miami where he was before. Um, he's really good, like out in the wide mismatch kind of guy. He's a tough yep, guy yep. to cover in terms of just like cornerback body. Uh, not great as a blocker, but 
I, I don't know if they really brought him in as a blocker. You know, I, I he's really a receiver. Um, and so I think they still need a tight end very, very badly. We can talk about that maybe in our draft preview on fourth down. But um, I, I think that the from like a hat on a hat is Gasecki an upgrade from John U. Smith in the Patriot system? Absolutely, but that's not a very high bar to set. And it's Smith Schuster <laughs> uh, an upgrade from Jacoby Myers. Uh, I think on paper, absolutely. It's a question of how well can he incorporate into the offense. I mean, I don't want to list off all these good receivers that came into the Patriots and couldn't figure the system out for whatever reason. And Jacoby had it. He was the only reliable option in a couple of down years of offense. He's the only guy that that could produce. So um, I think Smith-Schuster could very much represent a huge upgrade. And Gusecki Smith-Schuster in this offensive package could be two upgrades but it's how well they can incorporate um, and learn the football ins and outs and the IQ systems and all that good stuff and how they utilize Mike Gusecki and whether they kind of maximize his strengths or they can't figure out to do it on the way they did Johnny Smith. So on paper, all looks good, but I will reserve judgment to let you see him in action. Yeah, totally. And like my thought around it is that uh, the Patriots made the active decision to move away from Jacoby because like 11 million per year, not a hard contract to meet from a wide receiver contract standpoint. That's what they gave Aguilar on his contract. So like, there's no reason they wouldn't have given it to Kobe if they believed he was the better player. And from having watched him, he has been like the bright spot in the offense. Oftentimes over the past few years, there's also the element in my mind of was last year as good as it gets. And I think that that's what the Patriots might also be thinking because for the first, what, two years of Myers being uh, like the top receiver in the offense, uh, so I think in like 2020, 2021, he was kind of only producing because he was the only target. <laughs> like to, to put it bluntly, his his numbers weren't good. Like he was one of the most inefficient receivers in the entire league over uh, 2020 to 2021, which not his fault is also because the rest of the offense was also uh, not great in 2020. One of the worst in the Belichick era uh, with, with Cam Newton, but also just like, I mean, not because of Cam Newton, but just through everything that they were facing first year after Tom Brady. But in 2021, Mac Jones's rookie year, um, he's had like career highs across the board, but also wasn't an efficient receiver. Like I, I think that what he did in 2021 might be close to the ceiling of what you would expect uh, as like the best year that you could have for him because he's not going to get more targets than what he saw that year. He's uh, you know, just based off of distribution, how the Patriots want to run their offense. And so I think what the Patriots are banking on is the fact that uh, you know, 2021, 2022, probably as good as you're going to see from Jacoby. Um, maybe he'll flourish next to like Devonte Adams kind of a thing. And like all the depth that they have with the Raiders, but putting him in that position with how the Patriots want to construct their offense with having, you know, four receivers on the, on the field that could see the target. I don't think that they viewed Jacoby as having as much upside as Juju who like has shown that as that wide receiver two option also like, having the ability to be that wide receiver one, if you need to, that he can produce. He has more upside on based on the fact that like, we've seen him produce better. He's had like three seasons better than Jacoby's number one season. And last year was arguably Juju's like second best year, which means that he's on the Ascension um, because he had like injuries the year before that. I think he can pick it up. 
I think that he has the ability. It's not like they're picking up a veteran like in the last like two years of his career. It's also not like they're, uh, you know, drafting him. I, I think a lot of times when the Patriots bring in like proven high level veterans, they've been pretty okay. Like they, they've been able to figure it out to some extent. And I think he's going to be one of those players that gets integrated well, um, that performs well, will make life a lot easier for Devontae Parker on the outside. We'll hopefully allow Kendrick Bourne to get integrated a little bit more because Bill O'Brien, you know, does like to have three receiver sets. Um, and then the addition of Jacecki, I think, will primarily bear fruit in the red zone. Um because he is a receiver, as you said, I, I think Jacecki's main value is going to be to help out the red zone offense because the Patriots, ever since they lost Gronk, have devolved towards one of the worst red zone offenses in the entire league. Um, or I mean, especially in the Belichick era, they've been super unproductive down there. And like, I think they bottomed out last year for the entire Bill Belichick era. Like last year's Patriots red zone offense was worse than the 2000 Patriots, uh, Bill Belichick's first year. And so uh, bringing in someone who is truly just a giant receiver will definitely help Mac Jones in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 knock on Smith Schuster is I think when he was in Pittsburgh and he, and he left there, he, they thought he could be a number one somewhere else. And I don't think he's a number one receiver. But I also don't think the Patriots need a number one receiver. I think a receiver room with Gasecki, with Smith Schuster, with Devontae Parker. I think that's a good one, two, and three. And Hunter Henry is a is a fine tight end. I don't think he's living up to his contract, but he's a good tight end to have on the roster. And they have a pretty solid running game. So I think they can be very much a death by a thousand cuts kind of Patriots offense. And with a, a quarterback like Mac Jones, who I always compared his rookie season to kind of a higher upside Chad Peddington, a lot of these really long, high percentage throws, those aren't an offensive scheme you need like a number one receiver to go down and, and catch a 50-50 balls that Nikhil Harry or Aguilar were supposed to grab. So uh, I, I think he could be a really good fit. Again, I'm always just a little skeptical of receivers coming in and learning the system, but they're also starting from scratch. So everyone's kind of learning the system together, and it'll be it'll be a good thing overall, Rich. Uh, before we move on to third down, if you have like the pick, like who's your favorite Patriots signing so far this season, either a new guy they brought in, uh, a free agent they re-signed. If you had to pick your favorite move of the offseason from a acquisition standpoint, who is it? Uh, definitely Jonathan Jones. Like, without hesitation, without a moment. I think Jonathan Jones coming back on a relatively team-friendly two-year $19 million contract is both the best mix of player ability. Like, uh, in a vacuum, he's the most talented player that was signed this year, whether through retention or an open free agency. He's the most talented. And then from a value perspective, it's also a very team-friendly contract. Patriots did a lot of team-friendly incentive-driven contracts this offseason, uh, which is smart. It's great. I think it sets them up for a highly competitive roster camp. Um, and I think that we'll just look back with the loss of McCourty, that Jones will step up as a leader, probably a team captain. I would not be surprised. And that uh, the Patriots, which have had one of the best defenses in the entire league over the past five seasons, will continue to have an elite defense that they will need in order to uh, make them a contender. And I, I think that Jones is going to be a core part of that. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I love Jonathan Jones, too. He's a, you know, injury aside, he's a, been a, a steady player for this team. Uh, for me, it's got to be if I pick Devin McCourty, my biggest loss, I got to pick Matthew Slater. That's my biggest re-signing. Again, leadership standpoint, especially with McCourty gone, he's the guy. He's the longest tenured Patriot by a while now. And uh, I'm, I'm, again, I'd be very surprised this was not his last year as an NFL player. And he's got to spend this year not only playing at a high level, uh, 
getting those special teams back off the schneid. I don't know what happened to special teams last year, but they were a huge liability for the Patriots. So hopefully he can help them fix that unit as well as pass the leadership torch onto the Brandon schoolers, whoever becomes the the leader for the Patriots going forward when Matthew Slater probably retires in 2023. Overall though, man, again, I I think this has been a very typical Patriots off season. Again, it's very typical Patriots fans to bash the Patriots for not making big moves in free agency while they still bash the Patriots for making big moves in free agency in 2021 and making those contracts. Nobody's ever satisfied. This is a very typical way they do it. They build kind of day two, day three free agents, good fits, seasoned veterans. They make the team better all around. So for third down, Rich, overall impressions, are you happy where the Patriots are right now? Are you somewhat happy? Still like one to 10, 10 being like, I'm ecstatic. One being, I have no optimism whatsoever for the season. Where are you right now for the Patriots 2023 based on their move so far? Yeah, I'm feeling like a solid seven out of 10. Nice. Um, I, I think that they've made all the right moves on the coaching staff. Like, I think Adrian Clem is going to be truly a fantastic uh, pickup. Um, he's probably going to be the future offensive coordinator. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I feel like Bill O'Brien is here on like a limited time, which totally is fair and makes sense. Like he's going to get a head coaching job again somewhere else. Um, and so, you know, borrowing time for a year or two, I think Adrian Clem is very much in the running to be the long-term replacement. Um, I think retaining Gerard Mayo, huge. Like that's going to be like so important for the Patriots in the long term as well. Um, so all the right moves along the coaching staff. So I think that's great. Um Love what they've done to bolster special teams, both with the retention of Slater, but also bringing on Chris Board. Patriots lost many games last year due to just bad special teams performances and was one of their worst special teams years ever. Um, So they've made some adjustments to improve that. Um, The gaps that they had across, uh, you know, I guess that never really emerged on the defense. Like the Patriots have done a good job retaining players to ensure that a gap didn't uh, develop with McCordy's retirement. It's pretty much all the same faces on their defensive front, which is, you know, good. They they were one of the best defenses in the league, so it makes sense. You don't need a lot of turnover there, and it's great that they didn't. Um, so very happy with where the defense is. On the offensive side, what were the biggest issues? Um, wide receivers, tight ends, like the skill players needed to improve, and I think that they did that, going from Johnny and uh, Jacoby uh, and Aguilar, uh, improving up by adding Juju and Jaseki, like, I think they got better on the offensive side. And if this just opens the door for Kendrick Bourne to get more involved, like that will also be great. The other gap that they had was on the offensive line, thinking of the offensive tackle, like Isaiah Wynn remains unsigned. Um, but the Patriots needed to bring on some plug and play ability at offensive tackle um, to make sure that they didn't like have to have to get a first round offensive tackle. And maybe we could like have a player that could develop for a year. Um, and I love what they did there. They retained Connor McDermott who filled in incredibly well down the stretch last year. Uh, and they're reuniting him with his college offensive line coach and Adrian Clem. So I think that familiarity familiarity there would be beneficial. Uh, they, uh, you know, uh, signed Calvin Anderson, uh, and as well as Riley Reef. I don't know if it's Reef or Rife, so I could totally be wrong there. Um, but Riley Reef, and I like brought him back or signed him, uh, both of them in free agency, both have starter experience. Uh, Reef is definitely on the tail end of his career. Um, but he's on an incentive laden contract. He's someone that has 
uh, been given starter level money based off of guarantees. So I would expect him to be a plug and play tackle. Um, but they have a fair amount of depth and competition because uh, Kahuste is returning as well. Um, and so the Patriots have depth in a way that they didn't necessarily have last year when like they were trying to sign Marcus Cannon <laughs> in the middle of the season. So like if you add in a top tier rookie with a lot of upside, they're in a good position. Like Trent Brown is under contract for another year. Like they have the players that could, if you needed to play a game tomorrow, they would be all right. Are what is the gap between feeling like a seven versus feeling like a 10? Uh, I don't think I could feel like a 10 until I see everything pulled together. I'm like cautiously optimistic because uh, they were so bad last year. Like <laughs> last year was one of the least enjoyable fan experiences I had watching the Patriots um, in part because of how inept the offense look uh, looked and also just how the Patriots continue to, to buck some of the uh, like the ways that like advanced statistics and like all of the analysis show are better things to do. Like using motion is something that like is the lightest lift and shows such a dramatic improvement in players ability to get open. Like they, they, their refusal to incorporate that into their offensive game plan has been painful. And I'm hoping that Bill O'Brien will come and be like, yeah, this has been wildly successful. This is what Alabama did. Uh, you know, Mac Jones and I have known each other for a while now, and I never directly coached him, but he taught me the playbook. And now we're going to work together and build this. Like, this is what a modern offense should look like. And we haven't had a modern offense uh, since, you know, Josh McDaniels is here. And even then that was like still a legacy complex offense. And so I have a lot of hope, but I also, you know, it's impossible for me to feel like a 10 at this point. I mean, especially because they're playing in the AFC East with the Bills. The Dolphins are revamping. The Jets may be getting Aaron Rodgers. I have no idea what's going on with the Jets. But if you look at kind of the, the last, I guess, two years coming into this being the third year of the Mac Jones era, 2021, they drafted Mac Jones. I was at maybe like a five or a six, cautiously optimistic rookie quarterback. You never know. There was a QB competition. Who's going to win it? I was actually on the record saying I think Cam Newton should get one more year, give Mac Jones a year to sit and learn was proven wonderfully wrong, went from like a five to a 10. Optimism in terms of just like that season, what I was expecting versus what we got. Playoff exit, they got spacked around, but they had a great initial Mac Jones year. That went out from like 2022 from like an eight down to like a two, just because, yeah, they were just bad last year. And it wasn't that they lost games, just like how they lost games. And the fact that the stuff that I was saying as a casual fan, when they did that, it worked. Really huge pain to watch. And this year... They're trending in the right direction. Uh, I'm going to go myself at like a six personally in terms of my optimism. Uh, I don't think they were going to win the Super Bowl this year anyway. They're still not Super Bowl contenders, but you know, I want to see them win a playoff game. I think if they can make the divisional round, maybe, maybe a close divisional round exit, that would be a great way to finish the 2023 season. Obviously, you never know what's going to happen once the games start being played, but I just can't see them going through Buffalo or KC or Cincy right now, maybe even Baltimore, depending on what happens to them. But there are, there are teams that are definitively better than the Patriots on paper right now, but it can't get much worse than last year. So <laughs> as long as these guys who are all locked up for a while now can kind of continue to gel and they're maybe like one year away from being a real contender, uh, I think all good things. And this is the kind of Patriots offseason. I know it's not like fun for the headline grab, this is how you build a team. I mean, proven it year in and year out. 
And yeah, I think the, the linchpin of this whole thing really is Bill O'Brien, the revamped offense. And uh, I, I am optimistic about the Patriots so far. And I think if they can all gel as a unit, uh, they could do some really, really good things. So obviously, free agency is not over yet. They may bring in some more guys, maybe some more trades. I know there's still people holding out hope that DeAndre Hopkins is coming to New England. I don't think it's happening personally. <laughs> you never know. But uh, there's still one part of the offseason left before minicamp starts, Rich, and that's the drafts. So oh, yeah. let's get to our fourth down draft preview. Uh, this is not going to be too deep of a dive. Our draft podcasts are coming up as they're closer to actual draft day. But I think it's good to just talk about in general. Feelings on the draft this year. This is the highest Patriots pick since Gerard Mayo in 2008. Um, they had like the, the sixth or seventh or maybe the eighth overall pick in 2008, courtesy of a trade with the 49ers. Uh, what are you kind of thinking overall for the draft? I think the Patriots are well positioned. I think personally, this is a draft. I, I feel like the, like there's like the, the top tier talent, and we all know who those guys are. But after that initial drop off, the, 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 the 20th pick and like the 60th pick, isn't like a massive, massive disparity. Yep. So maybe this is a draft where it's not going to be the worst thing in the world if they trade down, accumulate more picks, and get more players as opposed to like the best players. I don't know, but I'm not I'm not the draft expert. Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like they're super well positioned. What I like most about them sitting uh, at 14th overall is that they're going to be at a pivot point. I agree with you that players like 20 to 60 are going to be roughly the same. Like I, I think that this is a relatively deep second tier. But also that there is enough uh, depth up front that uh, some players might slide to them. Like there are some quarterbacks that might not necessarily have the talent of uh, being a better player, but because teams need quarterbacks, they're going to go ahead of some other like more talented non-quarterback positions um, like the quarterback out of Kentucky. Will Levis, I think, I think that is going to lead to players getting pushed down and all it takes is, you know, two surprise picks or like two players going above, like in front of the Patriots that you might not expect that will lead to some like top blue chip players being available for them. Probably, you know, it's always a chance that the draft board doesn't go the way that they want, but also very real chance that, you know, if they need a cornerback one, that Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, uh, Deontay Banks out of Maryland, Joey Porter out of Penn State, that they'll all be available there which also speaks to maybe the Patriots straight down. And that would also be okay. Um, there's a chance that, uh, you know, some of the players above them uh, might slip and like, maybe they'll sit and wait. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is like, obviously I wouldn't expect like Will Anderson out of Alabama to fall that far, but like, uh, you know, there are some players that in other drafts might go top 10 that could be available to the Patriots at 14. And if it's not at a position of interest, the Patriots can and should trade down because like it's relatively deep at the positions that they, they need. And Alec, I, I want you to check me on this, like from a positional need standpoint, thinking on like first round, second round, what are the positions that you think that the Patriots need to get that, you know, top tier talent, either plug and play right now due to the state of the Patriots roster, or just would provide the greatest upside for them. What positions do you think the Patriots should address early? Yeah, I'd probably say in this order, personally, if you want to swap one and two, I think you can make a good case for it. But I think in this order, they need a tackle, tight end, and receiver are probably the three biggest areas I would target in the first two rounds of the draft. And the good news about that, in my opinion, is that sitting at 14, if they were to hypothetically stay, the way the draft's probably going to shake out based on positional need above them, one of the number one or number two positional guys at those three positions will likely be there yep. at 14. 
Uh, there's the Jackson Smith, New Jig, but I know Zay Flowers has been linked to the Patriots. I think he could still be there at 14 very easily. He's the consensus number one, number two pick in the draft for receiver. Uh, there's Darnell Washington. I think he'd be a great fit for the Patriots. He'll probably still be there at number 14. He's probably linked to number two or number three. Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer are probably going one and two, uh, maybe in that order. Uh, if you want to go for a tackle, maybe you can get this. The other Darnell, who I like a lot. Uh, yes. Darnell, Darnell Wright I think would, be a, would be a great pick. Uh, he's just a big dude, former five-star receiver. Recruit. He played tackle and guard at Tennessee. I think he was a first team ACC in uh, in 2022. So I feel like if they were to stay and they want to target a blue chip player at 14, they can say, okay, here's our number one receiver. Here's our number one tight end. Here's our number one tackle. One of those three guys is going to be there. We'll pick the one that is there at 14. Uh, if they're all gone for whatever reason, they can trade down and they can get a, a next tier guy. Um, now, will they draft out of the first round altogether and pick up a cornerback in the second round? Probably because that's what they do. But I do like the fact that they have enough positional need and there's enough depth of those positions where they can get one of the guys at 14 if they stay. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I agree with your uh, team need sort of thing. I went, I went through the exercise of looking at the roster and it's like, okay, um, who's signed past this year? Like that's important. Like that, that indicates like, okay, Patriots have been signing veterans as band-aids um, and that would likely make them be priority positions to fill. So then you can either have a rookie that if they beat out a veteran, great, that's cool. Otherwise they get a year of development and then they can start next year because there's going to be no one else on the roster. And if you look at it, the tight end position, they have no starter level player signed past this year. Offensive tackle, no starting level player past this year. Uh, uh, linebacker and wide receiver, they just have one, you know, uh, Johnny Tavai at linebacker, which is also like debatable because Bentley is going to be a free agent after this year. And then a wide receiver, you only got Juju because Parker Bourne, uh, they're going to be free agents. And like technically, yes, Tyquan Thornton, but like he hasn't been a starter at all. So I, I think that those are the four positions that I feel like would be like immediate. You need someone able to plug and play. With Dark Horse positions being at cornerback because, like, they have no one taller than 5'9 at the position. Like, they, they need some height there. Uh, and then at the edge defender position, uh, Patriots utilize a heavy rotation, and only Judon and Dietrich Wise are size pa- signed pass this year uh, with both Jennings and uh, Uche being free agents after this season. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots started playing for the future just with Judon getting up in age. Um, and also having another player that if a, if a good enough talent at the edge defender was available, uh, you know, Lucas Van Ness, I think would be a good fit. They visited with Tyree Wilson, who's a potential top 10 pick. And if he follows falls to the middle of the first, he could be their pick at 14. Um, but they've also been kicking the wheels on like Nolan Smith out of uh, Georgia. One of the players, uh, Will McDonald, the fourth out of Iowa state is a perfect like physical dimension fit for what they've typically signed uh, or drafted. So they have a lot of opportunity here. I think with regards to how I personally might want to approach it, uh, there's a lot of tackles that I feel like would be a very good fit for them. So Paris Johnson out of Ohio State, Darnell Wright, who you mentioned out of Tennessee, uh, Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma, Patriots have visited with him, Broderick Jones out of Georgia, total prototype offensive tackle for the Patriots, uh, has a need for a little bit of polish, but like could develop there. And then Dewan Jones, also out of Ohio State. Those are all the players that I feel like would be plug and play day one tackles that I also wouldn't be surprised if uh, Patriots traded down on the first and tried to pick one of them up. Like not saying that they're all interchangeable, but like they could pick up some draft capital and get a very good offensive tackle. Um or go cornerback, because I, I think that that is an area that they both, uh, you know, it would feel like improving upon a position of strength, 
Um, but also knowing that, uh, you know, Jack Jones, great player when he played, but not sure where he sits within the doghouse. And then you have, uh, you know, just a bunch of Miles Bryant and Marcus Jones who are just too small for for certain coverages. And so you have a bunch of prototypical players like that I mentioned, the uh, Deontay Banks, uh, as well as Christian Gonzalez and Joey Porter. There's a pretty big drop off in cornerback talent after that. So worth considering, okay, do we take that player and then take a lesser player somewhere else? Um but that is all to say that they have a lot of flexibility uh, across the different positions there that like they definitely could improve. Um, and I, I think in the offense, like first, second round, there are a lot of players at, you know, thinking of those premium tackle cornerback edge defender positions, wide receiver uh, that would be good fits. Um, and fortunately, what I really like about what the Patriots have done this off season is that, uh, you know, there's no place where they're like, they absolutely need to get a plug and play top tier guy in round one. And so they can kind of just like let the best player at those different positions fall to them and potentially even pick up additional capital if they think a lot of the players are the same quality. And they have I want 11 draft picks in this draft, I believe. They have three number fours and four number sixes. They have no fifth rounder. I'm sure they'll get a fifth rounder with that ridiculous amount of draft capital they have. <laughs> So yeah, plenty of flexibility, but again, you know, this is an early preview. Uh, I've got some more questions we can talk about as we get deeper into the draft, Rich, but I think it, uh, overall kind of that's where we're at. I, I Again, I agree with you. I, I like that we don't have this massive, we desperately need to get this team a whatever you want to call it, and they can hang. If they drafted nobody else, if they signed nobody else, that's probably a nine-win team this year. And so yeah. um, some trades happen, maybe some more moves, and there's always that one kind of rookie that comes out of nowhere and does good things so hopefully they will find their their miles bryant in this draft as well um but those are my four downs rich uh, i think this is a pretty good start hopefully we didn't settle for a field goal from first and goal but i like <laughs> hope we scored on this one but you never know we will get better we will improve as the format keeps changing but uh it's good to start talking football again with you man yeah totally and i, I do feel like uh you know my my extra point here is that uh this has felt like a more typical patriots offseason than we've seen in the past two years like yeah. heading into the huge spending spree of 2020 uh or i should say 2021 like are actually even you know both of those losing tom brady 2019 to 2020 very weird offseason signing everyone with a bunch of money in in 2021 also felt atypical um last year going into it with like oh matt patricia is the coach that's that's weird that doesn't feel great um <laughs> and like everyone like like i feel like this isn't going to work and then it didn't work um i feel like that uh this has more so than other years like past couple of years has felt very normal um and so very hopeful about what the you know the draft holds and also hoping for kind of a year of normalcy that we haven't really seen in the past you know three seasons you kick the extra point because it's safe rich i'm going for two which is a little <sighs> bit of a more outlier uh i agree with you however i say there's some definitely some atypical things they did this offseason particularly the fact that they were like public about announcing Bill O'Brien. They were very open about that whole thing with Matt Patricia. You never see that from the Patriots making various statements about things. Uh, so that to me acknowledges that they know they messed up here. They know that it wasn't yep. a successful thing and they're, they're correcting and they're course correcting. And they wanted to let us know as fans that they realized the experiment was a failure. And that's something you just never see out of Bill Belichick uh, or yep. the Patriots front office in general. So I think the fact that they did that goes a long way towards how optimistic and confident they are with how it's going to go forward. It gives me optimism as well. Yep, totally. Well, 
Uh, we will continue to break down the offseason. I wouldn't expect too many more signings between now and the draft, uh, but we would also probably see a few more after the draft. Um, so we'll be breaking down players at positions of needs uh, for the upcoming podcast. Alec, very happy to be back in business here with you. Um, I, I'm Indeed. looking forward to this year. Me too. I, hopefully it's, it's first and goal for the Patriots, and hopefully it is more of a pre-2020 first and goal for the Patriots for, with us and not – 2022 first and goal for the Patriots where they start at the one yard line, go back 10 yards and kick a field goal because no one can see that anymore. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. Later.